Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 84 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, my friend. Very good. So there's a lot to go over this week. There's so much to talk about. Fights from last week, fights from this week, interviews, the lot. So we're going to waste no time. We're going to get straight down to business. We're going to start with a card that happened last Thursday. So obviously we did the show last Thursday, but you know it went out before the American fights had started due to the time difference. So we're going to start with a card that happened last Thursday at the Casino del Sol in Tucson, Arizona, USA. Uh, a couple of fights to mention on this bill, a couple of prospects. Joshua Franco moved to double figures, 10-0 and now for him, with a KO in round one over Marco Antonio Sanchez. Uh, Hector Tanahara, a prospect that we've had on this show before, uh, remember I said last week that he'd come off the floor in his previous fight, he picked up an impressive win over six rounds unanimously that one, he moves to 9-0 and now. Jonathan Navarro moved to double figures as well, 10-0 uh, for him, a six round unanimous decision win over Ricardo Alan Fernandez, and top of the bill really the biggest fight on that bill Diego De La Hoya cousin of Oscar De La Hoya he moved to 18-0 with a unanimous decision win over 10 rounds at super bantamweight against Eric Ruiz and that was a decent um, opponent really for, for De La Hoya at that stage of his career so nice win there for him moving over now to Germany there's a couple of fights to mention over there I'm going to start with top of the bill Igor Mikilkin he moved to 20 wins of course he's got one loss this one was for the vacant IBO world light heavyweight title he took on Thomas Oosteisen probably saying his name wrong Thomas Oosteisen lost his unbeaten record as well as the fight he was 27 and 0 with two draws he's now 27 and 1 both guys have really steered clear of some big challenges and some big opponents so you know I'm not too much I'm not too sure how much credit I really want to give either of them but Nonetheless, I suppose a good win there for McCorkin. Um Going down the bill now, Mario Dassa. He got in there against Ola Afalabi. Ola Afalabi had, you know, he had a short-lived retirement. It was about a year or so. He come back. He's obviously, a, you know, a British fighter uh, based in the States. And he took on Mario Dassa, who was unbeaten in 12, 12-0. And, and Ola Afalabi, who is really known as a tough and durable guy. He got bowled out of there in the third round he got completely bowled out in the third round a TKO victory there for Mario Dassa I haven't seen the fight but some people are saying that they reckon it was a fix it's a big allegation but um, let's not take nothing away from Mario Dassa he now picks up the vacant two titles that were actually both vacant the IBO International Cruiserweight title and the WBO European Cruiserweight title so decent win there for him also on the bill, Christian Hammer, he got out again. He got a successful defense of his WBO European heavyweight title against Zinedine Ben McClough, who had a record of 22-5 and with one draw. Christian Hammer now 22-4. and So a good win there for Christian Hammer. To be honest, we're, we're fans of him on this show. He's all right, he is. Moving over now to Friday. Friday 
there was a couple of fights. I'm going to start with um, a card that happened at the Bolton Whites Hotel in Bolton, Lancashire, UK. This one was actually televised on Box Nation. Um, you know, some of these hotel shows, they're not so great. You know, they're... They can be a little bit boring, they can drag out a little bit. This show, I actually thought, put on some really good fights, some some well-matched fights and stuff like that. So credit to Box Nation for picking it up and obviously being involved in the whole thing, of course. Um, I'm going to start with the undercard. It was the return of Haroon Khan. He'd been out the ring for three years. I remember actually meeting him about, about a year and a half ago. I think it was in um, it was that Hayes return fight to, um, to you know when he took on Mark Damori. And I said to Haroon, I said, listen... You know, we need to get you on our podcast. When are you fighting again? And he gave me his phone number and he said, Yep, get me on, no problem. I'm going to be fighting soon. And that was a year and a half into his inactivity. He went on to do another year and a half. So it's been three years now since we've seen him in the ring. We don't even know if he's any good. He hasn't really fought anybody of note yet. But I tell you what, he didn't look ring rusty at all. And he didn't really have enough time to look ring rusty. He got his man out of there in about 30 seconds with a lethal body shot. He caught him a few times in the body. Straight away, he didn't like it. And he tried to really kind of keep the distance and back up a little bit. And Haroon went in for the kill and he got rid of him. So decent win there for him. His opponent had a record of 9-14, and 14, so I suppose it's not too bad for his sixth professional fight, Haroon Khan. He now is 6-0 and with a TKO there in round 1. Also on the bill, a couple of other fights to mention. Luke Blackledge picked up a win, a TKO in round 4. His opponent's corner actually threw the towel in. So uh, Luke Blackledge now 23-3 and three with two draws. Nice to see him back in the picture. Mike Stafford picked up a win over Russ Henshaw. Russ Henshaw's been linked with a Coley, Lawrence Acoli, um, for quite a while. We're not sure what was going to be happening with that, but he was out on this bill. He lost as well, Russ Henshaw. It was only a four-rounder, but he lost on points. And Mike Stafford's now 16-3. and three. Russ Henshaw, 7-5. and five. Every time he fights, he seems to be making his record worse. It's not great to see. Also on the bill, Alexander Ustinov. He'd been out the ring for quite a while. The heavyweight, um, you know, he's up there with the WBA. He's supposed to be fighting for one of their straps pretty soon. He got in there against Rafael Zumbano Love. We've seen Zumbano Love over here uh, a couple of times. I remember when he took on Joshua, he got absolutely flattened. But, you know, he's got a winning record. He was going into this bout with 39 wins, 14 losses, and one draw. And Ustinov, to be honest, I didn't think he looked in the best of shape. And I know that, you know, you've kind of got to give him a little bit of leeway because he's been out the ring for a while. He's a big guy. But um, he didn't really look in the best of shape. He he kind of went for it all in the first round, and he got his opponent out of there in the first round as well. The referee waved it off, but... Um, uh, I don't think Rafael Zambano Love was really too happy with a stoppage. He was also down, I think he was down twice in that first round. But, you know, Ustinov done the job there. So he proceeds to 34 wins inside 35 fights. He's only got the one loss. And Zambano Love gets another loss on the shores. I do just want to point out that when he took on Joshua, he got knocked out in the second round. So Ustinov got the job done earlier. If you want to take something from that, you can. I personally wouldn't, though, to be honest. And top of the bill, Zelfa Flash 
Barrett, he moved to 17-0 with a points win after 10 rounds against Eusebio Usejo, who boasted a record of 28-20 with three draws. Usejo was a bit of a rugged, tough guy. He came there to fight. He came there to win. He was down in the fourth round, and he was also down again late in the fight. I think it might have been maybe round nine, if I'm not mistaken. But Zelfa Flash Barrett is a big step up from his prior opponents. He looked very, very good in there, showed us a lot of stuff, and he seems to look like the type of guy that you know, perhaps gets better when the opposition in front of him gets better. So that's always really promising to see. And I think he's got a bright future. I think that they're doing a good job with him. And he really is an exciting prospect for the future at Super Featherweight, that one. So good win there for Flash Barrett. All the very best to him. Moving over now to Japan, a big friend of the show, Hassan and Dam and Jikam. He was fighting for the vacant WBA World Middleweight title in the backyard of the Japanese fighter, of course, Ryota Murata, 12-0, the Olympic gold medalist. Uh, Hassan and Dan was 35-2 going in. We always knew it was going to be a tough ask for Hassan and Dan, and I wasn't too happy that he had to travel to Japan for the fight, but believe it or not, he won a split decision after 12 rounds. Some people are saying it was absolutely shocking judging. I don't really know who we can point the finger at. He went over there, he won the fight via two judges and lost the fight with the other one so you know it was there's no way it was a hometown decision I'm not sure what it was like I did not watch the fight absolutely completely not even one minute of it so I don't know but I got a text from Hassan and Dam saying we did it my brother and I'm telling you something Hassan and Dam is one of the nicest guys in the sport he really is so you know whether he won the fight outright whether it was close whether it was a terrible decision i'm happy for him either way but i can't really comment any further on that to be honest he now moves to 36 and 2 and Morata gets his first loss 12 and 1 now that's it for japan moving over now to poland one fight to mention over here noel gevor he was 22 and 0 going in there against krzysztof woladzik um Wolodzik, i think that's how you say his name he's the guy with the uh, the really long record the 52 wins three losses and one draw going in and Noel Gevor was actually a guy who beat Stephen Simmons the Scottish cruiserweight last time out so he looked pretty decent doing that but he got in there against Wolodzik I didn't watch the fight but it was a split decision loss for Noel Gevor so he loses his unbeaten record he's now 22 and 1 and Wolodzik now 53 and 3 with one draw but I tell you what that record is a little bit padded for my liking that's it for Poland moving over now to the Copper Box Arena Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park Hackney Wick London I was there ringside for the big clash between Javante Davis and Liam Walsh but we're going to start with the undercard we're going to start with Sonny Edwards Sonny Edwards got out of course the brother of Charlie Edwards he was on this bill he picked up a win he moves to 4-0 he picked up a win against I think it was a last minute opponent change if I'm not mistaken it was a shame because I didn't get to watch it because the uh, you know the post fight press conference for the main event was scheduled at the same time so I missed that one uh, which I was pretty gutted for because uh, me and Charlie Edwards were were talking about that. He was there as well, and it was a shame that I got to miss it, but I couldn't be in two places at the same time. So all the very best to Sonny Edwards, and you know his his future is definitely definitely bright. Uh, also on the bill, Sanjeev Sahota moved to seven and zero with a TKO in three rounds. It was only scheduled for four. He picked up a win over Stephen Backhouse, decent win there. Boy Jones Jr. picked up a points win over six rounds against Norbert Kaluksa. Norbert Kaluksa had a winning record as well, so Boy Jones is now twelve and one. 
one with one draw. Mitchell Smith moved to 15 wins and one loss on his record, obviously. It was a points win after six against Lee Connolly, so a decent little win there for Mitchell Smith. Sammy McNess moved to 7-0 and against Zors Sadihovs. Uh, it was actually funny because Sadihovs was um, before the fight, because I knew his corner men, and um, before the fight, I was talking to them, and they actually didn't—they didn't know what he looked like. So um, they had no idea who he was. He just literally paid them to turn up and work his corner. He—he he came over to the UK with nobody, basically. So um, it was a funny situation because they didn't know what he looked like. They were searching the whole venue for him. It was a bit of a—it was like a scene out of Only Fools and Horses. It was really funny. And um, when they finally got him, they—they they sat him down in the dressing room. They wrapped his hands, and then he went for a walk. And they—they they thought literally that there could be a chance he's you know, bottled it at the last minute, but thankfully they did find him, and he got out there against the, uh, you know, the West Ham supporting Sammy McNess. He was also down in the first round, Sadihovs, but we wish him the very, very best on his flight back to, I'm not sure where he actually came from, to be honest, but we wish him the very best, and also to Sammy McNess as well. Lucian Reed moved to 6-0 with a points win after six rounds against a very tough and game Michael Mooney. It was a good learning fight there for Lucian Reed, in my opinion. Daniel Dubois got in there against David Howe. We saw David Howe get stopped in the second round against friend of the show, Dave Allen. Uh, David Howe, you know, I knew he had no chance going in. He boasted a record of 13-5, and five, and um, we were kind of just saying it ringside just before the fight when they was in the ring looking at each other, and I just said to some of the, you know, some of the journalists around me, some of the boxing writers and boxing media guys, I said, I think this fight's going to end inside 30 seconds. I think I just missed that. I think it ended inside 40 seconds. So another demolition job there from dangerous Daniel Dubois. They're calling him Triple D at the moment. So nice stuff there for him. Also on the bill, Larone Richards, he got out again. He took on a guy called Anthony Fox. It was a last minute replacement for him. I don't know what happened with his of our opponent, but uh, Lerone Richards proceeded to 7-0 and with a points win over six rounds. He was the first on the bill, so he opened up the card. To be honest, I think he maybe could have um, you know, stepped on the gas a little bit more. I think he didn't really come out of first gear. Um, I think he'd probably admit that himself, to be honest. But no, nonetheless, a, a good win, a good learning fight. You know, there's not many, there wasn't many people in the whole venue at that point. He, as I say, he was the first guy on. Bradley Skeet was ringside and, um, you know, shouting advice in. So that's always good to see. We'll be speaking to Bradley Skeet very shortly. Um, also on the bill, Archie Sharp. He moved to 8 0 with a TKO in round three. His opponent, Tamas Lasker, you know, he, he's he come to give it a go. He's He was game, but. The body shot that Archie Sharp caught him with was absolutely brutal. It's a shame that his fight didn't get televised. Tamas Lasker was, um, you know, he, he went down and he got up at about 10 and the referee said, do you want to continue? And he took a knee and he just did not fancy it at all. He, you know, he went back down again. And even when he was leaving the ring a few minutes later, about three, four minutes later, he was holding the side of his rib. So I don't know if there was some sort of broken rib or whatever. I really don't know. Also moving up the undercard, a very, very entertaining fight now. Joe Pigford, he was 12-0 and going in. He took on Aaron Morgan, 12-0 and going in. Uh, wow, this fight was definitely full of excitement. A really, really good fight. I was talking, as I say, to Charlie Edwards before the fight. We were sitting down watching this one together. I left my ringside seat, went and sat with Charlie Edwards and he was basically saying to me that he can't believe these two guys, both 12-0, both undefeated, were getting in there 
with no title on the line in an eight rounder. He was pretty surprised by that. Um, it made for a brilliant fight, I've got to say so. Um, Aaron Morgan was coming on very strong in the early rounds. Joe Pigford um, managed to turn the tide and get him out of there in the fifth round, and it was a brutal, brutal knockout. But I tell you what, Aaron Morgan, he's a tough guy. He gave Pigford a lot of problems. Pigford's defense was nowhere to be seen, but Pigford ultimately got the job done, so very, very well done to him, and we wish Aaron Morgan all the best as well with his comeback trial. Um, also on the bill, Ryan Walsh defended his British featherweight title successfully against Marco McCulloch with a TKO in round 11. Ryan Walsh did pretty well, to be completely honest. You know, there's a lot going on in that in that card, isn't there? When you get on the bill, you're fighting, and also your brother's in the biggest fight of his life in the main event. There's a lot going on psychologically there. But nonetheless, he moved to 22 wins, two losses, and one draw. Marco McCulloch now 17-4. and four. And the main event, Javante Davis, 17-0, and 0, defending his IBF World Super Featherweight title against our very own Liam Walsh, 21-0. and 0. Somebody's O had to go. And it turned out to be Liam Walsh. I'm going to throw this one over to you, I. As obviously, you watched it from home. I was there. I'm going to throw it down to you before I give my thoughts on it. What did you make of Javante Davis's performance? I'll tell you something. He's a future superstar. I'll tell you what. The thing is, obviously, when he... First of all, he became America's younger champion when he defeated Pedraza. He was an underdog in this fight when he fought Pedraza. And many people, uh, many people said, yes, is this fight too early for him? And what he did to Pedraza, where he just literally destroyed him. Now, he fought um, Liam Walsh just now, right? Javante Davis, obviously, everyone knew he was coming into the into this fight as a favourite. When the bell started, you can see Liam Walsh is like he wasn't any throwing any punches. And Lee, and Javante Davis, he's, he's got the speed, his footwork, right? He was hitting him. He was hitting him with some big shots. And I was thinking, I was like, come, I was saying to, I was saying to my, I was, we were watching it, my friends, and I said to my friends, look, Liam Walsh need to... Need to throw. He needs to throw more punches. He's not doing nothing. And come the second round, Javante Davis uh, hits him with the right hand. He's grabbing Javante Davis so he didn't get dropped. And then Javante Davis hit him with the right hand and dropped him. And to tell you one thing, the way Javante Davis beat him, it was very. It was a very good knockout. And I tell you what, he's a future superstar. Yeah, I think um, you know straight away it seemed that Liam Walsh perhaps had the game plan that he was trying to take Javante into the later rounds. We all know that Javante landed in the UK, I think it was maybe late Sunday evening, or maybe even Monday of fight week. It was one of the two. And that was... I don't know if that was just because they were underestimating him, because they didn't really rate Walsh too much, or because they were a little bit inexperienced being on the road, travelling to a different continent to defend the title. Either way, I thought that perhaps he hadn't adjusted to the to the time zone properly, and he might have been a little bit tired. Um, you know, we even saw Javante tweeting at about 4 in the morning on fight week, like, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever, he was tweeting till 4 in the morning. So we knew that maybe taking him into the later part of the rounds or something, you know, his, his clock was not completely uh, settled, not completely in balance and, and in, in the swing of things. So there was a chance that if it went late, Liam Walsh could have had a bit of a better chance. And also, you know, Javante Davis, they call him the tank, but is his gas tank any good? We don't know that yet. He hasn't really gone into the later part of the fight. 
especially with somebody who's you know got some good capabilities he's knocked out all but one of his opponents and as you said there I as the job he did on Pedraza I honestly thought Pedraza was going to win that fight and we had Javante on the show and I seriously I mean I wanted him to win because we had him on the show I wished him all the very best but I actually in my heart of hearts believed he was going to lose to Pedraza and he did a great job there and some people were they were saying it, but I think it was maybe more so out of hope. Some people were saying, was it just one really good performance? Did he have a really good night? Did Pedraza have a really bad night? We're going to see against Liam Walsh. Unfortunately, we didn't really get a chance uh, to see what he's going to be like in those later rounds. He wasn't really tested. Um, Liam Walsh wasn't able to get into the flow. He wasn't able to get you know, into his groove or anything like that. And every time Javante, or every time Liam Walsh landed a shot, Javante would definitely make him pay for it. He'd throw the harder shots. He was clearly the more heavy-handed out of the two. He looked big in there. Liam Walsh, his punches weren't really bothering Javante, but he did land a couple of decent shots. I'll give him that. But in the third round, of course, Walsh was down. And, you know, the referee obviously allowed him to get back up to his feet. His, His legs were very unsteady. And I want to make a good point of this. I don't know what was happening on the telecast because I was there, um, obviously, ringside. And straight away, my, you know, I'm always looking at people's legs. Whenever they go down, they get back up. I'm looking straight at their legs. I'll have a little glimpse in their eyes as well if I can. But I was looking straight at his legs and they were completely all over the place. They were, you know, they were doing a funny dance and he kind of he kind of like walked back into the ropes by accident. So I don't know if they showed all of that on TV. I really don't, because some people were saying it was an early stoppage. For me, it was a perfect stoppage. I've seen that, um, I've heard some other people saying that Richie Woodall said it was a shocking stoppage. I don't know, but again, I couldn't hear what he was saying because I was there. So for me, when the referee actually allowed him to carry on a little bit, and he took a few more shots. When the referee said, yep, you know, you, do you want to continue? And obviously Liam Walsh said yes, and he decided to continue. When I saw the referee allow him to continue, before any shots had even been landed, when Javante was in the neutral corner, I actually stood up and raised my hands and, and sort of said like, what? Come on, man, stop this. Like, you know, this ain't right to let it carry on. And I didn't want to see it carry on at all. But he took an, another few shots and the referee rightly so jumped in, but I didn't think he even needed to take those, by the way. So I'm going on record saying that, and um, yeah, you know, it was what it was. But um, yeah, for me, Javante Davis definitely makes himself look very special there. He is a potential superstar. You know, he's in a division with Lomachenko as well. It's funny because someone asked in the post-fight presser, um, you know, would you would you throw Javante in there with? Uh, you know, with Lomachenko, and Floyd kind of said, well, you know, maybe in the future, we're not really looking at that fight right now, why does he need to take that fight, he's only 22, well, I'm going to throw this one out there, why did Canelo have to take the Floyd fight when he was 22, how about that, think about that one for a little bit, Uh, there's one fight that we missed out on the undercard, I can't believe I missed it out, I was going to have to go back down it, Chris Hobbs put his Southern Area light heavyweight title on the line against Anthony Yard. Chris Hobbs obviously went into this fight with a record of 6-1 and one with one draw. Anthony Yard went in 10-0. and oh. Boy, oh boy, Chris Hobbs was down once in round one, twice in round three, and three times in round four. You know what? He was as game as they come. He was down six times, and his cornerman... Um, threw in the towel, didn't he? I think the referee was maybe going to stop it. I'm not sure if it's a TKO or a retirement. I thought because uh, the corner, f- yeah. Anyway, um, the corner kind of retired him. So when they threw in the towel, I, 
you know, I, I agreed with it. And he reacted badly. He reacted badly. Chris Hobbs, he, I think he, he tried to kick his trainer or kick a water bottle or something ringside. And he was in a right, you know, a right bad mood. But you know what? He's got a lot of heart. And I think he had a little bit too much heart for his own good there. Anthony Yard was really throwing shots in in maybe ones and twos, maybe sometimes in threes. He wasn't really landing many combinations. He seemed to respect the guy a little bit. But I felt like if he stepped it up a little bit, put a couple you know, a couple more punches together, maybe showed a bit of speed, it was just a matter of time. And those body shots that Yard can really dig in with, they are really brutal. So a really good win there for Anthony Yard. He picks up his first title and another knockout. And of course, he's now 11-0. Really, really exciting prospect for the future. But I tell you what... Chris Hobbs, I give him a lot of credit, but no, I think his trainer was right uh, throwing the towel in, if I'm being completely honest. That's it for the Copper Box. Moving over now, stateside to the MGM National Harbour in Oxon Hill, Maryland. Top of the bill over there, Gary Russell Jr. Uh, he took on Oscar Escandon. Oscar Escandon had a record of 25-2, and two. Gary Russell 27-1. and one. Escandon was down in round three, but ultimately stopped via a TKO in round seven. So Gary Russell Jr. retains his WBC World Featherweight title. Moving down that undercard now, um, Gary Russell Jr.'s two brothers were on the bill as well. They're also called Gary Russell, believe it or not, but one of them is listed as Antonio Russell. He moved to 8-0. and He had his opponent down in round two and three and ultimately out in round three. So it was a TKO in round three over six rounds. It was scheduled for Super Bantamweight, that one. And also Gary Antoine Russell, his other brother, he was making his debut on the card. He had his opponent down three times in the first round, and the referee called it off. It was a TKO in round one there, so a nice, impressive start there for Gary Russell, or Gary Antoine Russell's pro career. That's always good to see. Also on the bill, Rancis Bartholomew. He moved to 26-0 with a unanimous decision over 12 rounds against Kirill Relic. We know Kirill Relic from the tough fight he gave Ricky Burns, to be honest. Kirill Relic now 21-2. Uh, Bartholomew was down in round 5 and Relic was down in round 8 but there was so much boxing on I didn't really get round to watching that one I heard that the scorecards were a lot wider than they should have been but I think the right man won from what I've heard and the crazy fight on that bill Andre Durrell 25-2 and two. he took on Jose Uzcatagai 26-1 and one. now I actually heard Paulie Malinaji saying that Jose Uzcatagai could actually be the best super middleweight in the world but he's just not known so from hearing that I thought wow and it kind of made me um, a little bit suspect I kind of thought wow maybe he's going to pull off a win here maybe he's going to pull off an, an upset over Andre Durrell now it was for the interim IBF world super middleweight title now I'm just going to tell our listeners this last week on I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday. I was speaking to Andre Durrell and I said, look, you know, it would be good to get you on the show um, on Thursday and it would be good to get you on our podcast and what do you think and, and all that. And he basically said, yeah, I'm, I'm up for it. Now, we were talking and for whatever reason, he didn't end up coming on the show and we decided to reschedule it for this week. But with all what happened after the fight, I think he's been a little bit too busy and that interview has gone. So I don't think it's going to be happening now. But um, if he does join us later in the show by any chance, hopefully we can get him on. I will try him once again, but he's been unresponsive lately because I know there's a hell of a lot going on. But we're going to get down to that drama right now. Um, 
I'm not too sure what the scorecards were, but many people believe that Uskata guy was winning the fight. I think that he's had a really good start to the fight. Andre Durrell was coming on strong as the, you know, he was he was scraping back a few rounds as the fight was going on. A bit of crafty experience there from Durrell. You know, he's he's obviously a very he's got very high ring IQ. Andre Durrell. Some people forget that. And Uskata guy was actually disqualified for. Hitting and and stopping or knocking out Andre Durrell after the bell, after the bell had gone in the eighth round. So basically, what happened was Uzkatagai was unloading with a three punch combination, and Andre Durrell, I think, had thrown one shot as well. So they both kind of threw a shot at the same time. It was it was really they both threw a hook at each other, and Uzkatagai caught Durrell, and it kind of wobbled him. And as the other two punches were following Uzkatagai's, um, you know, his initial punch, as I said, it was a three-punch combination. The other two punches came in. I think maybe the second punch might have been on the bell, and the third punch that ultimately put him down, even though it looked like he may have been hitting the deck because he he seemed to be hurt by the first shot, Andre Durrell. That punch came in after the bell but it was a hundred million million percent it was a completely completely accidental there's no way he did it intentionally at all and Andre Durrell went down and he kind of fell on you know it fell on his front which is never a good sight to see when boxers go down on their front it usually means they're really hurt um and he got back up to his knees and he had a conversation with the referee but then got you know then went back down on his front and the referee kind of said, like, can you continue? And Andre Durrell said no. And he said he was too hurt. And the referee said, right, well, in that case, it's a disqualification. He hit you after the bell. And the referee went over and disqualified Uzkata guy. Now, some people are saying this is absolutely crazy. He didn't mean to do it. You know, the punch was on the bell. If you actually listen to the video in slow motion, you can go and check the video out. The shot was after the bell, but it was 100% non-intentional. And a lot of people are saying that Andre Durrell faked it and he did some great acting to stay down and pretend he was hurt. Maybe he did. We don't know. We're never going to truly know. But at the end of the day, the rule book does state you cannot hit someone after the bell. We saw similar stuff in the uh, in the Olympics with Holyfield, obviously, all those years ago. But... I think that one was a little bit more on the bell than this one. I think it was a little bit after, a little bit more delayed um, this past weekend. But no, I definitely think it wasn't intentional, no way whatsoever. But he was disqualified. And then there's videos, you know, going around everywhere of of Andre Durrell's corner man and uncle Leon Lawson running over to the opposite corner. And Uzkata guy, I'm not even sure he speaks English. He was in the corner and he was facing, the, you know, the center of the ring. And he kind of had his head over his shoulder talking to one of his corner men. The fight had been called off and everything. And Leon Lawson just completely attacks him unprovoked. And he punches him with a left hook, a monstrous left hook. And Uzkata guy's head completely goes to the, uh, you know, over his left shoulder. And you see all like the spit or sweat completely just shoot in the in the air towards the fans and the front row. And then he follows up with a right hook that basically catches Uzkata guy in the neck. Remember, this guy is completely bare knuckled as well. He's got no gloves on and Uzkata guy was gloved up. So it was a real sucker punch, sissy move there from Andre Durrell's uncle. Um, but 
there's a video just before that where Andre Duro actually goes over to the opposite corner and says to Uzkata guy, look, I didn't hear the bell, you know, but they're saying it was after the bell, so I win the fight. I forgive you for hitting me after the bell. And it was kind of like they just made up there and then. And I don't think his uncle heard that because his, his uncle went straight over there a couple seconds later and did what he did. And Andre Durrell initially looked to be in disbelief. He, he kind of was like, whoa, 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 running over there. So um, I haven't seen any interviews post this incident, but I don't think Andre Durrell was in support of what his uncle did there. And, um, you know, let's not jump the gun. Let's not start saying that the Durrells should all be be banned from boxing that's you know that's not right but I definitely think something needs to happen there for his uncle his uncle obviously the police were looking for him and he's facing some huge huge penalty in terms of um, possible imprisonment and so forth so we're going to leave that there but some crazy scenes there over in Maryland USA that's it for that bill we're now going to move over to the convention center in North Carolina USA uh, one fight to mention over here Vivian Harris 32 and 11 with two draws he fought for the vacant UBF welterweight title against Demarcus Corley a man that we've had on this show a few months ago now, Chop Chop Corley, former world champion, former opponent of Floyd Mayweather Jr. And Demarcus Corley pulled off the upset here. He moved to 49 wins now, as many as Mayweather, and 28 losses with one draw. That's it for that one. Moving over now to Madison Square Garden. We're going to start with the undercard. Um, really, one fight to mention that I want to mention above all others, and it's going to be the Beltram fight. Raimundo Beltram, 32-7 and with one draw, took on Jonathan Marcello, who had a record of 25-2. and It was for the vacant WBA International Lightweight title, the NABF Lightweight title, and the WBO NABO Lightweight title. Now, Raimundo Beltran, for whatever reason, I do not know, was also fighting for a green card for his rights to stay in the USA. Now, I've got completely no idea how the outcome of a fight can determine whether you can stay you know, with, with US citizenship in the US. That is crazy. I, I just do not... Under, I can't wrap my head around that. But it was what it was. He needed to win the fight to stay in America. So, you know, he definitely came to win. Um, after a bit of a rocky start, I think Beltran... Actually, I thought he actually did pretty well in round one, but he was put down. Um, it was a bit of a flash knockdown, so Beltran was down. He wasn't really hurt. Um, I didn't think so anyway. He got back up, but he lost the first round 10-8. And then he obviously came out in the second round. He thought, forget this. I need to really turn the tables here. And he knocked out Jonathan Marcelo brutally in that second round. I think Marcelo and um, and Beltran actually traded hooks. And it was one of those ones where both hooks land, but one just had a lot more spite and ferociousness in it. And that was Beltran's hook. He completely, completely wiped out Jonathan Marcelo there. And it was a brutal knockout. And I tell you what, Beltran's turning into a bit of a banger at the moment. He's really quite exciting to watch. Also on the undercard, uh, Shakur Stevenson moved to 2-0 with a TKO in round 1 over Carlos Gaston Suarez, who had a winning record, so 6-3 with two draws now, 6-4 with two draws. Impressive win there for Shakur Stevenson. Showed a lot of class as well. And the main event on this one, Terence Crawford, 30-0, putting his WBC and WBO World Super Lightweight titles on the line against the... Former Olympic gold medalist Felix Diaz, who had a record of 19 and 1. Um, there's not too much 
at 140 really to test Crawford. We know he's the goods, we know he's a fantastic fighter and this was one of really the last challenges, if you want to call it a challenge, at the weight for him. I'm going to go over to you first, Dias. What did you make of Terence Crawford's performance against Felix Diaz Saturday night? I give him a 10 out of 10 performance. I have to, I'm going to say I'm going to put him in the pound for pound list. I'll tell you why. This fight that he's had, he was playing with Felix Diaz. It's like in the fight, he was just beating him up, right? Even he was just laughing at him, and he's still beating him up. This whole game, the whole fight, yeah, he was beating, beating Felix Diaz. I did not even give one round to Felix Diaz. I gave the whole round to Crawford, and Crawford stopped him. And obviously, um, Ricky Benz fought um, Julio Sandongo in his last fight, and Julio Sandongo beat Ricky Benz. Now, they're saying that there's a possible you know, a full-on un- for the undisputed... Uh, light- it's a lightweight, lightweight, isn't it, champion? Yeah, light light welterweight championship. Yeah, it's okay. A, they've got they've got all the belts. Indongo's yes. got two, obviously, and so yep. is Crawford. Uh, I I was watching afterwards. They saying that Steve Bunce was saying that yes, yeah, there could be a possible fight for an undisputed belt, which is between uh, which Julius Sandongo's, which is the IBF, and the WBA, which Julius Sandongo's own, and the WBO and the WBC, which uh, Crawford and and they saying that this could be a future fight uh, between Julius Sandongo and Crawford. And tell you, to tell you one thing. I think that will be a future fight that's going to happen. I reckon that will be Crawford's next fight, and I reckon Crawford will beat him, and then move him. They'll Bob Aaron will hope him to move up to one four seven to fight Manny Pacquiao. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that fight will happen next. I think that Julius Indongo, as you said, there he was in the crowd to watch. Um, you know, we know that he's got a bit of a tricky style, but I'm not too sure it'd be too tricky for Terence Crawford. Uh, Terence Crawford fought most of this fight in, or if not all of this fight in Southpaw. Um, you know, Felix Diaz, we got to remember, he was an Olympic gold medalist and Terence Crawford absolutely played with him. Uh, Felix Diaz took a lot of shots as well, so I give him credit. He's very, very tough. He took a lot of big shots. Terence Crawford, you know, he, he just made him look absolutely silly. He made him look, you know, completely like a C-class fighter in there against an A-class fighter. And I agree with you. I gave Terence Crawford every single round until Felix Diaz's corner stopped the fight in round 10 so um yeah but no gutsy performance there from felix diaz he's now 19 and 2 and crawford 31 and 0 and you know he's he's already in my pound for pound list i've had him in there probably in the top three for quite a while now i think he's really really good but i think julius indongo is pretty cheap i think they can get him over to omaha it'll be one last fight in his hometown we know that crawford likes to fight in omaha this one wasn't in omaha but um yeah, I think there's going to be one last fight, one last little homecoming in Omaha for all the all the trinkets at 140. I think he's going to win that fight, and then what a way to move up into the welterweight division, 147, and to have a try up there. I think Terence Crawford's absolutely brilliant, and I definitely think he would stop or 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 really, you know, outpoint Indongo pretty easily. I don't really see him posing any threats to. Um, Crawford, but Crawford, he's just amazing. The way he switches from head to body, his footwork was really good. His combinations were excellent. He, you know, he always finished up with the right shots. He was spinning off to the left and right really well, and he was just amazing. It was, you know, it was a real boxing masterclass he put on there at the MSG New York on the weekend. But no, that's enough said about that one. Absolutely brilliant win there for Terence Crawford. Moving over now to the Laredo Energy Arena in Texas, USA. One fight to mention on this bill. David Benavidez took on Rogelio Porky Medina. We see Medina give James DeGau a decent fight. Medina was down in round six and seven. 
And in the eighth round, Benavidez, and I saw the stoppage here, Benavidez hit Medina with like a six or seven punch combination while he was walking forward. He just went whack, 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 whack. And Medina was taking the shots while going backwards, and it was like a real flurry of quick punches. And you don't really expect that in the eighth round from a super middleweight. He threw like lightning quick speed, and it was just a real highlight, real knockout. And Medina went down, and that was all she wrote. So a brilliant, brilliant win there for David Benavidez. He proceeds to 18-0, and and Rogelio Medina now 37-8. and uh, so a good win there for Benavidez. Moving over now to Japan. This one happened on Sunday. One fight to mention over there. The final fight to mention of the reviewing. Naoya Inoue picked up another defense of his WBO World Super Flyweight title. So he's now 13-0. He picked up a KO in round three over Ricardo Rodriguez. So Ricardo Rodriguez now 16-4. and Good win there for Inoue. And that's it for the reviewing. There's no more to talk about from last week there's one last thing to do as always before we end part one and that of course is to welcome guest number one ladies and gentlemen please welcome the current british welterweight champion and of course a big friend of the show mr bradley skeet bradley welcome to the show thanks for having me on mate hey, it's my pleasure my friend so bradley you fight next friday the 2nd of june against shane singleton this will be your second defense of the british title um, Shane Singleton has obviously fought some decent guys. He's won all but one of his fights. He lost to a man that you beat, Sam McGinton. What else do you know about yeah. him, Brad? Um, not much, to be honest. I've, I've, obviously, um, his, his name has been on my mind since October when the fight originally was meant to happen. So I'll be glad to get, get this one out of the way and get him beat. But, um, yeah, to, to, to him, he knows he's off against it. He, he knows, he knows he's, he, it's just a tough fight for him. Um, I've, I've trained hard for this. I've, I've, I take every fight as as a tough fight for myself. Um, so it, it, this is a big opportunity for him to to come and try and beat me. So I'm sure he's up for it, and he, he looks looking to come and cause an upset. And obviously, it's going to be another you know Box Nation BT show. Um, what are you making of this whole production thing at the minute, Brad? Because the shows are looking better than ever, obviously. Yeah. Um, well, the. the the, the the link up with BT um, is, is great for us boxers. The coverage we're going to be getting is is, is second to none, um, and that's what it's all about now for me to to move forward in my career. Um, I obviously proved on the on the weekend Frank and Scott um, Javante Davis over one of Floyd Mayweather's fighters, and he, he's going to be putting on big shows, and, and it just proves that 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 the coverage and the exposure is going to be there to to get the big fights over here in the UK and and. That's what I'll be looking to go forward after winning the British title outright. Be looking forward to get getting some some big fights. Yeah, definitely is an exciting future for the whole thing. Now, speaking of Sam Eggington just there, um, obviously I wanted to ask you what you're making of his recent progress since losing to you. He's looked brilliant. Yeah, um, he's looked great since since losing to me. Um, before before he lost to me, he was looking great too. Um, he, he he's a tough boy, Sam. And he, he he didn't he didn't dwell on losing to me, brush himself down, and come back with a great stoppage win over Frankie Gavin. Then and stopped the likes of Paulie Mangardi. Now just just had a great knockout win to win the European title. So he's I've, I've I've said it like I'm I'm not looking and basing my 
career around looking what Sam Egan's doing, and I'm sure he's not basing his career and looking what I'm doing. Um, I, I think if 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 it'd be a great fight down the future if we used to meet again, then it'd be a massive fight probably for a massive title. So yeah, I'm doing my thing, he's doing his thing. And talking of massive titles there, we spoke to Sam a couple of weeks ago. He said that providing he was to beat Rodriguez, he felt that he'd be ready for a world title shot in the new year. Um, you know, all the boys that won 4-7 are, are top, top boys, to be honest, all the title holders. So they're all hard for yeah. us. Um, so, yeah. yeah, as I said, he's kind of thinking about a possible world title shot in the new year. By then, I'm, I'm imagining, yeah. providing, you know, you don't get an injury or anything, touch wood, um, we're not going to, yeah. you know, you, you, you would have probably won the British outright by then. So would you be moving on to that kind of level at the same time? Most definitely. Um, that's the plan for me, um, is to, to get these two defences out of the way and win the British outright. And then I'm ranked number four with both the WBO and the IBF. So my rankings are there. They're only going to go up. Um, so I literally will be knocking on the door for that world title opportunity. Um, if, if it comes down to, to having some sort of an eliminator or, or, or so, so to speak, to, to get that shot, then that's what I'll be doing. But most definitely, 100%. And also recently we spoke to Frankie Gavin. He seems to be in a bit of a funny position at the moment. He, well, we're not too sure what's going on with him. He needs a bit of an impressive opponent on his on his record. You know, he's fought a yeah. couple of guys. He hasn't really looked great. When you guys fought each other, it was a really good and close fight. I remember being there for that. Also, yeah. that would give you obviously a chance to avenge the sole loss on your record. Is that a fight that you fancy, Brady? Yeah. Is that a fight that kind of burns for what happened last time inside or are you not bothered about it? Do you know what? I'm I'm not bothered by it one bit because um, I still think to this day I won the fight. It was a close fight. I think I've done enough to 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 to, to win on the cards. But there you go. I didn't. Um, that that was a long time ago now. It was 2014. Um, I, I, you've got to look at my career and his career since then. And I I think nine out of ten people would say I've gone I've got I've gone better than him. And that's no disrespect to him. But you just you just got to look at the, the who, who he's boxed and. And lost the obviously lost to Kelbrook in in a world title fight. Then he got stopped by Egerton. That's after I beat Egerton, and, and I, I think I handled Egerton comfortable and beat him well. So you just got to look at how my my career's gone and how his career's gone. Um, just I, I've got like I say, I'm, I'm ranked really high in the world ranking. He's not ranked. He's he's, he's got no titles. He's got nothing going for him. All all what we'd be fighting for is because he beat me. And in boxing, that ain't that ain't really. Because he beat me once, I beat him again. Then we're gonna have to fight again for the just like it's it just going round and round in circles sort of thing. So it's not a fight that I'm looking at to be honest. I'll get nothing from it. No, I think what you're saying is true. To be completely honest, there. Yeah. And um, also, you've been sparring O'Hara Davis quite a bit of lately. What's he like to spar with, Brad? Yeah. Everybody talks very highly of him. Yeah, he's a, he's a good sparer to be honest. Um, he, he's a great fighter. Um, he, he's good. He's strong for his weight. Um, and yeah, I think he's got a bright future in, in boxing. And Brad, I saw you ringside, obviously, at the at the fights on Saturday. Um, as you, as you say, you shot off before the main event. It was it was a you know there was about fourteen fights on the bill, if I'm not mistaken. I know that you went yeah. over to watch the, the the main event. What did you make of it, Brad? Yeah, it was a great great show um, put on by Frank Warren. Um, great great for boxing Asian and BT Sport. Uh, to get to get uh, Floyd Mayweather's fighter Javante Davis over here, um, unlucky for for Liam, um, he, he just he just didn't seem to turn up on the night. Um, that's not taking nothing away from Javante Davis. He's a great fighter, and it could have been just the best 
that's the fact that he was he was completely better fighter on the night um, than Walsh. Um, I was expecting a a bit of a, a a cager fight. It was cagey for the first two rounds. Then Javante just opened up and and then and it was all over. I thought it was going to go go a bit later than that. But yeah, great great show and 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 what a great fighter Javante Davis is. Yeah, I have to agree completely. And the final real question now for you, Brad. A big fight in your division this Saturday, of course, over here. Um, you know, up, up north a little bit. Kel Brook versus yeah. Errol Spence this Saturday. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, another great fight. Um, I think it's a, it's a tough fight for Kel. Uh, coming off, obviously, the loss to uh, Triple G. Um, he, he was up at middleweight. He had to come back down to the 147 limit. Which which is is going to be a tough ox, and I've I seen pictures of him last week looking in great shape. He looked in fantastic shape, so he's obviously done it well. Um, I think I think the key for this fight is the, is the experience, and I think Kel's got that more than Errol Spence. He's he's been in he's been in massive fights, and then he, he he's he's the world champion going into the fight. So obviously Errol Spence coming over to Kelbrook's backyard to. Fight and I, I just don't think he's, he's going to have it to do it on the night. I think Kel, his experience will tell, and um, it, it'll be winning on points. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I agree with that. I think he, he's going to probably win on points. We definitely hope so. And finally, Brad, yeah. I just wanted to really give you a quick opportunity to uh, to thank any any sponsors, any anybody in particular, just to give a shout out. Thank you. Yeah, I'd like to thank my main sponsor um, who allowed me to train and box full time, the King Group. Um, they're, they're a massive help for my career and um, BoxFit for um, for supplying me all my kit and ringwear. Thank you. Absolutely, my friend. Okay, listen, Bradley, it's always a pleasure, my friend. You know that yourself. Best of luck for the second, and we'll catch up sometime after. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, as always, the preview part. But before we get into that, we're going to go over to Ayaz with the latest news in the boxing world this week. There's not too much that's gone on as far as I know, Ayaz, but I'll throw it over to you. What have you got for us? Right. Our good friend on the show, Anthony Yard, is to challenge Hungary, uh, Hungary's Richard Baranyi for the World Boxing Organization European Light Heavyweight Belt on July 8th at the Copper Box Arena. Yeah, that is... Um, if not, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's maybe the first or second fight added to the undercard of Billy Joe Saunders and Kurt Sidzi. So that's a really, really good fight there, by the way. The WBO European champion, as you mentioned there, he's got a record of 18-1. and one, And I think that one loss was to a decent guy, if I can remember. I don't have the record you know, right in front of me at the moment. But he's 18-1, and one, and I think he's got 12 knockouts. So... Um, you know, that's that's a potential banana skin. I'm not too sure what Frank Warren and his team really know about this guy, but we know Anthony Yard looks phenomenal. Um, and yeah, Anthony Yard has the chance here to pick up two belts in two fights. He's got the Southern Area this past weekend and now moving up for the WBO European. It's a big step up and it's a quick step up as well. It's what we want to see from someone who's got the talent that he's got. So it'll be really interesting to see how that one unfolds. But of course, we're definitely riding with our man, Anthony Yard. Yep. O'Hara Davis to defend his WBC Silver Super Lightweight title against Josh Taylor on July the 8th. Yes, this is a fight that's been made um, just, obviously, just recently. It's a brilliant fight. We like to see two guys... Both, you know, both undefeated, both prospects, both 
in the you know in the first few years of their career taking on each other it's a crossroads fight and you know we don't really get to see this too much in boxing we saw it you know Joe Pigford and Aaron Morgan last weekend on Frank Warren's card and this one is a cyclone card so it's interesting we saw the emails from Eddie Hearn to you know to the McGuigans basically saying that you know I'm going to offer you 75,000 pound for the fight and they must have given a counter offer of something a bit better to O'Hara and he's now fighting on their show which if I'm not mistaken will be shown on channel 5 so I was a bit surprised at that but I'm happy that the fight's been made it's a brilliant brilliant fight England against Scotland there as well you know for those that get right into it but um, no it's a phenomenal fight and I really can't wait for it it's a fight that we've wanted for quite a while actually and um, it's, it's really hard to divide the two guys it's a real 50-50 speaking to most people yep Joe Smith Jr. Uh, will defend his WBC international light heavyweight title against Sullivan Barrera on July 15th. Yeah, another really, really good fight. I've wanted Joe Smith Jr. to get you know, a big shot at one of the guys. He had a crack in 2016, and I think, for me, deserves a real big shot, of, you know, a fight where he's going to earn some, some serious money. I'm not sure that this is the fight that brings that in, but if he can get another win over Sullivan Barrera, who's really looking quite good at the moment as well, actually, so it's not a given. It's a real 50-50, actually. But if he can get a win over Barrera, then that sets up a real big fight, probably for one of the titles. So we wish Joe Smith Jr. all the very, very best. Is there any more news for us, Az? Yes, there, yes, there is, actually. Go on. All right. Um, former two-time heavyweight champion Shannon the Cannon Brig has tested positive for testosterone. Yeah, apparently his testosterone levels were double the, uh, you know, the normal amount to box. So... You know, it means that he must have been on something. I haven't really seen his official reaction to the findings, but I'm not sure if that is really that valid, to be honest. Um, when we had Shannon Briggs on this show, I remember asking him what he thinks about boxers that are on, you know, PEDs, PEDs, uh, Performance Enhancing Drugs, and he gave a quite believable response, but... You know, he's looked in brilliant shape ever since he's made this comeback. And we knew that the comeback was mainly for money. And we knew that he wasn't in that type of shape when he was about 15 years younger. So it was question marks all along. Um, you know, it's not a huge shock. But, you know, we like Shannon the Cannon. But no, nah, the fight with Fred Zaquendo has obviously been cancelled. And I'm not sure who's next in line for that fight. But... Hopefully, it's going to be someone a little bit more credible, actually, because we weren't too happy with that fight happening, Fred Quendo against Shannon Briggs. We didn't know how they both became one and two, or two and three, or whatever they, they were in the WBA rankings, but hopefully we see you know, someone worthy fighting for that title now. So, yeah, we'll have to see how that situation unfolds. Callum Smith will be f uh, facing Anthony Durrell for the vacant WBC Super Middleweight title on the on on the ninth of September at Los Angeles, California. Yeah, um, you know Anthony Durrell's people won the purse bid, so Callum Smith's going to travel over to the US. He's already fought in the US once before, but um, obviously it wasn't a fight of this magnitude. It's a huge, huge fight for him. It's a fight that we, um, you know, we've wanted to see him fight for this belt for probably coming up about a year now. He's been in position to fight for it and. There's been all sorts of things going on, but it's good that the fight's finally been 
um, you know, been set up, and hopefully we do see it happen. Um, some people are a little bit sceptical of if it's actually going to happen, but we're not too sure. But um, I'd like to see the fight happen. I think it's a really, really, really good fight, even though Callum Smith hasn't looked so great of late. I think he'll be first to admit that one. But, um, of course, we want him to go out there and do a job if he does go out there and fight. Absolutely. Is that it for the news, Ayers? Yes, it is, Jerry. Okay. And one last thing I just want to mention before we get into the, the previewing. Um, Clarissa Shields. Now, she is obviously a big friend of the Darrell family. Uh, I, I don't really know why or, or how or whatever. I don't really know the ins and outs. But, you know, she is a double Olympic gold medalist. She is the face of women's boxing. Okay, she's 22 years old. She's obviously just recently turned pro. She's kind of carrying the women's boxing sport, especially in the US. And she's the only boxing double Olympic gold medalist, as far as I know, from the US ever. So, you know, she's obviously she's obviously pretty good at what she does. However, she was defending Andre Durrell's uncle so over the top, it was unbelievable, and I couldn't not mention it on this podcast, we like to really try and stay away from controversy, but I think we just had to say it, to be honest, um, someone on Twitter actually called her a disgrace for defending him, because she actually put a, some sort of post out, I can't remember which social media site it was, but she put a post out saying that, you know, it was justice for, for the Sucker Punch, firstly, the Sucker Punch, if anything, did Andre Darrell a favour if he wasn't, um, you know, acting really hurt because if it was called on the bell that would have been that and um you know he he was put up, he was put out and if he was able to get back up who knows if he would have been able to recover in that one minute between the rounds so it did Darrell a favor because he now becomes a new interim IBF world super middleweight champion because of that after the bell punch in a fight that many thought he was losing so it did him a favor so I don't really know why it's justice and I also know that sucker punching someone's no matter what, he's completely not called for. So she was um, defending him, and and somebody called her a disgrace for defending him, and she actually said, say that to my face, and you'll get what Uncle did to Uzkata guy, and worse, to which the person replied with something, and she said she would beat them senseless. We've got to remember, this is coming from a two-time Olympic gold medalist, uh, the face of women's boxing. No one on this level of popularity should be acting in that manner. Pure classless. No one even attacked her physically or verbally. And, um, you know, she went this crazy over Andre Durrell's uncle. And I was just kind of thinking, like, can you imagine if if she got some of the some of the abuse that Tyson Fury gets a hundred times a day? She'd more than likely just be banned from all social media. She's only 22, and I think that... She'll have to learn from these mistakes, but somebody needs to bend her ear because that was shocking behaviour from her, um, you know, a professional like her. She just completely was real classless there, real distasteful stuff. And, you know, her PR team should definitely be bending her ear about that because someone rightly said, don't ruin your career before it's even started, please. And I think I agree with what they said there. But enough about that. We're going to move on to something more positive. It, of course, is the preview part of the show. We're going to start at the Motor Point Arena in Cardiff, Wales. This one on um, Channel 5 this Friday. And the undercard's also being shown on Spike TV. So we're going to start with the undercard. There's not too much on, on the undercard that, um, you know, that really perks my ears up, to be honest. Um, 
but I think there's one fight I quite like the sound of. Craig Kennedy, the undefeated cruiserweight prospect, he fights for the vacant British cruiserweight title against Matty Askin, who's arguably the best out of all the domestic guys. I think he's on the same sort of level as um, Bob Adjasaf. It's really one and two between those two. So Matty Askin, 21 and three with one draw. As I said, Craig Kennedy, 16 and 0. That should be a really, really good fight. If Craig Kennedy pulls out the win there, that means he's... You know, he's definitely really at the top of that domestic scene and obviously becomes a British cruiserweight champion, so that speaks for itself. And the main event shown on Channel 5, as I said, Andrew Selby. He takes on Christopher Rosales. Christopher Rosales, 23-2. and two. Andrew Selby, 8-0. and oh. It's a 12-rounder at flyweight, and I think this is some sort of eliminator for a title. It might be the WBC title. I may have that wrong. I'm not too sure, but it's definitely some sort of eliminator for a title so Andrew Selby looking to be fast-tracked we've been trying to speak to Andrew Selby um, in the last few weeks but I think he's been a bit busy so hopefully we get him on next week's show but we very much wish him the, the you know the very best he is uh, one of the you know one of the favorite guys we like having on this show he's um, he's always great to speak to him and his brother that's it for wows moving over now to the USA uh, one fight or two fights to mention on this bill. This one's also Friday night. It's being shown on Box Nation, this one, in the early hours. Um, Michael Conlon, he gets out again, of course, the superstar from Ireland. He looks to make it two wins out of two. He's in a six-rounder at Super Bantamweight against Alfredo Chanez, who has a record of four and four. Also on this bill, former world champion Mike Mile High Alvarado gets out in his 41st professional contest. His record at the moment, 36-4. and four. He takes on Matthew Strode, who has a record of 24 and 4. I don't really know too much about Strode, but all the very best to both guys there. Moving over now to Ireland, there's one fight to mention over here. It's really a man that, you know, he's supposed to have been fighting on this bill, that bill, this bill, that bill. He's been out the ring since 2015 and he hasn't been on these bills. So hopefully this fight happens, but I definitely am not um, too hopeful about it or too, too sure about it happening. Um, Mike Perez, the return of him, of course, the Cuban heavyweight. His record at the moment, 21-2 and two with one draw. His opponent yet to be announced. So, you know, it's pretty much almost fight time now. It's in two days' time till, uh, till, till fight time. So I don't really think that that fight will happen. But hopefully he does get an opponent flown in at the last minute. That's it for Ireland. Going over now to Mexico. One fight to mention over here. Former world champion and the only man to beat. Vasyl Lomachenko as a pro, Orlando Salido. His record at the moment, 43-13 and 13 with four draws. He takes on Amphon Cerijo, who has a record of 18-2. and two. That's a 10-rounder at Super Featherweight there in Mexico. That's it for Mexico. Moving over now to the Bowlers Exhibition Centre in Manchester, Lancashire, United Kingdom, of course. One fight to mention on this bill, really. Con Sheehan, that's the... Uh, the Obviously, product of the Fury Gym, the Team Fury Gym. He's trained by Peter Fury. He's 5-0 and at the moment. He's up at heavyweight, of course. He's in a four-rounder. His opponent yet to be announced. That's it for the Bowlers Exhibition Centre in Manchester. Moving over now to the Metropole Hotel in Brighton, Sussex. Another hotel show. A couple fights to mention on this bill. Nick Webb. He's 11-0. He takes on, well, his opponent's actually yet to be announced, but it's an eight-rounder at heavyweight there. And also on that bill, Tom Little takes on Camille Sokolowski. Camille Sokolowski's the guy that recently got the upset win over Big Sexy Sean Turner. So 
Uh, he's coming off of you know a good win there. He takes on Tom Little, who's also in the picture. His record eight and four. Also on the bill, Ian Lewison as well, twelve and three with one draw. It'd be nice if Ian Lewison just took on Nick Webb. Forget about finding them both opponents. They're both to be announced. They should both just fight each other. That'd be a great fight. And also the debut as well of Harlem Eubank. He takes on a guy called Ilian Markov. It's a four rounder, and as I said, it's Harlem Eubank's debut it's at super lightweight 140 division that's it for that one moving over now to the big one this weekend at bramall lane football ground the outdoor stadium of course in sheffield the home of sheffield united yorkshire united kingdom with a start with the undercard lawrence acoli 2-0 he takes on russ henshaw 7-5 obviously we mentioned russ henshaw earlier on in the show he fought on saturday just gone so um I'm not sure. Well, I know he's not going to win this fight, but we wish both men the very best of luck. It's a four-rounder at cruiserweight there. Atif Shafiq gets out again. His opponent yet to be announced. His record at the moment, 16-2. and two. Uh, Joe Caldina gets out again. His record at the moment, 2-0. and oh. His opponent yet to be announced. A pro debut for the 2014 Commonwealth Games gold medalist, Anthony Fowler. His opponent yet to be announced. It's a four-rounder at middleweight there. Also on the bill, Jamie Cox in his first fight with Matram. He takes on Lewis Taylor. Lewis Taylor 19 and 3 with one draw. Jamie Cox 21 and 0. That should be a really good fight. I'm excited for that one. That one's for the vacant WBA Continental Super Middleweight title. So all the very, very best there, especially to Jamie Cox, a friend of the show. Also on the bill, another friend of the show, Dave Allen, 11 and 2 with one draw. He takes on the very much unknown, but also he's been sparring some top, top boys. Lemroy Thomas, 20. 20 and 4. This one's for the vacant Commonwealth heavyweight title. I don't really know too much about Lemroy Thomas. I think he's a southpaw, if I'm not mistaken. Dave Allen, we know, is as game as they come, so he's definitely not going to be stopped here, but we really hope he can pull out a points win or maybe even a stoppage, Dave Allen. He's definitely, you know, he's definitely tr- taking training really seriously, and he looks to be in the best shape I've seen him in, that's for sure. Also on the bill for the WBA Super World Super Middleweight title. It's vacant and it's on the line for George Groves, 25 and 3. He takes on Fedor Chudinov, 14 and 1. Fedor Chudinov been out the ring from that crazy fiasco with Felix Sturm. We don't really know what's gone on there. He should be a little bit ring rusty. I know that the Groves camp would be hoping for that. And Chudinov's a good fighter, to be completely honest. A lot of people actually forget about him because he's been inactive with that whole drama for quite a while now. I'm going to go over to you, Ayaz, for the George Groves and Chudinov fight. I just really want to see if you've got any thoughts on that fight and also who you reckon is going to win that fight i'll tell you something okay george groves obviously he's fighting for the fourth time for a world title okay now first of all he's had the first fight with carl Foch, where it was a controversy where howard foster stopped him second where he was sparked out in front of eighty thousand people against carl Froch in a rematch at wembley stadium the third one where he fought um badu jack and badu jack dropped him for this was for the wbc now he's got a W. He's fighting for the WBA against Fedor Chudinov. I reckon Fedor Chudinov is the one that George Groves could actually win a world title. I reckon I'm this time. I'm thinking. I actually think George Groves is going to win a world title. I've been reading a lot of articles, and they're saying that George Groves is back to his best. Now, let's see how he's going to perform. Obviously, the reason I want George Groves to win this fight, which I personally reckon he will, is because I want to see that rematch between him and James Degel. I reckon that fight would be brilliant. Yeah, I really want to see that fight. Um, I think if he doesn't win, then I think it's never going to happen because I think you know he sees himself as quite a big 
um, you know, a big draw, which he actually is quite a big draw, James, uh, George Groves, and James Gale obviously being the champion. So, you know, I don't think they're, they're probably not going to be able to see eye to eye. And even if he wins the title, maybe he's going to think he's even, you know, he's obviously going to think he's worth even more. So I'm not even sure the fight will happen then. But hopefully they do get it on again. Um, I'm going to go against you. I think Fedor Chudinov's going to win. I hope I'm wrong because I actually am a big fan of George Groves. He's a Brit as well, obviously. We always back the Brits on this show. But um, for me, I think that Fedor Chudinov is a little bit better than people give him credit for. I think the only thing that doesn't make me 100% sure is the fact that George Groves is obviously looking pretty good under Shane McGuigan. So that's one point there. And also the second point that Chudinov, with that layoff, I'm not too sure that that would have done him any favours. So for those two reasons, I'm a little bit unsure, but I'm still going to go against you there. And um, I think the Prediction League at the moment, Ayaz, is 5-3. So write that one down. It's 5-3 to me, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think is it. you've got any qualms with that. And... Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Chudinov to win this fight. I'm not sure how. If I had to say, I'd probably say points. And, um, yeah, I think he could probably... I think George Groves may start well establishing the jab. But I think Chudinov, as the fight goes on, I think he can fight at a decent pace. And I think maybe the later rounds, I think when George Groves gasses a little bit, although he hasn't really looked... Um, like he runs out of steam as much as he did before since he's linked up with Shane McGuigan. So there's a lot of interesting factors in this one, but I think I'm going to go with Chudinov just to go against the grain a little bit. So you're going with George Groves' eyes, yeah? So we'll, we'll, we'll put it, I think it's 5-3 to me, so write that one down, and then hopefully next week uh, the scores will be adjusted somehow. Uh, moving over to the main event now, Kel Brook, 36-1, puts his IBF World Welterweight title on the line against Errol Spence Jr., 21-0. This is an absolutely brilliant fight. It's obviously pay-per-view as well. I'm not sure that... Um, many people are too happy with paying two pay-per-views, which have been Joshua and Klitschko, and then obviously now Kel Brook and Errol Spence, two pay-per-views in, if I'm not mistaken, in 28 days. And uh, both pay-per-views have been £17. Or no, in fact, the, the Joshua one was £20, wasn't it? So that's like £38 if you want to buy both pay-per-views. I think that's 38 or £37 in just 28 days. So... You know, that's I think that's angered a few people. But it is what it is. It's a great fight. I'm obviously going to be buying it. Um, before we talk about the main event, I just want to say you mentioned Badu Jack there when George Groves fought Badu Jack. Badu Jack was actually at the Javante Davis fight on the weekend. I got talking to Badu Jack and uh, Ashley Fearfane. Really good conversation with them both. And also Sean Porter. So there was a lot of faces there. It was a really uh, good good thing to be able to speak to guys like that. And they were they were really cool, you know. I had a great conversation with Ashley Fearfane. Um but yeah, back on to the main fight as we were saying. I just kinda came out of my groove a little bit there. Um Kel Brook against Errol Spence Ayers, talk to me about this fight. What a fight. What a fight this is going to be. Now this is a fight I'm actually looking forward to. There's two world fights that I wanted to see this year. First one was when Danny Garcia versus Keith Furman got announced. I thought this World Weight Class is going to be good, but it didn't do very good. But this one, oh boy, I'm looking forward to this because obviously this is Kell Brook versus Errol Spence. Now, we've seen Errol Spence fight. He's a brilliant fighter. And obviously, Kell Brook is coming back up to back down to World Weight after fighting at middleweight. Now, obviously, Errol Spence, he's fought 21 times. He's knocked 18 out of his 21 opponents. And he's fought like the likes of Chris Van Harden, Chris Algieri. The way he knocked out Chris Algieri was absolutely disgusting. Manny Pacquiao dropped him six times and couldn't stop him. 
Amir Khan couldn't even drop him and he won on points. And Errol Spence has beat him in the fifth, knocked him out in the fifth round. Now he's the person that's coming down from, he's coming from America to the UK to fight. Many fighters, many Amer- many top worldweights from America wouldn't come to the UK to fight. Most most of the Brits usually travel there. Now the thing is, this is a big mouthwatering clash. First of all, yeah, it's in Kell Brook's home, hometown, which is Sheffield. He's fighting at his beloved football ground, which is Bramall Lane. Spence Jr. is obviously coming in as the favourite and Kell Brooks is the underdog. But if I'm going to go... I was reading something in an article, right? And this, and it was about Sugar Ray Lennon talking about an interview. And he advised that. He goes, not just Sugar Ray Lennon, but Floyd Mayweather Jr. They've, they're all saying that Errol Spence is going to win. But to tell you one thing, I'm going to go for a Kell Brook... I'm going to go for a Kell Brook win on points. But I have a feeling if... I've got a feeling Kell Brooks is going to win on points and I've got a feeling Errol Spence is going to get robbed. Okay, big call from you guys. Um, I was actually interviewed just briefly by Ellie Secback on this fight and he asked me my thoughts and, you know, my short answer is Kell Brook is the best welterweight we've got in this country. You know, he's he's been at the uh, he's been on the high level. He's been being compared to Khan for years. We didn't really know how good he was. He went over to America, did a job on Sean Porter. Um, you know, he kind of established himself from then on. He's showed a lot of gut since then. He's had some not so great defenses, but we gotta say so uh, if we're being honest as well. And Errol Spence hasn't really fought anybody of the caliber of Kell Brook, but the people he has fought, he's put away, and he really had no right to put them away. He's done great jobs on them. Um, both men are really big at 147. We know that they're both really big at the weight. Um, Kell Brook, we know, and we we give him a lot of credit. You know, we shouldn't really go over the top with a credit, but he's definitely. A lot of people said, "No, nah, he's no way, no way in the world's he going to defend. He's going to move up to 154. He don't want none of Errol Spence. He's going to bin that title." And a lot of people thought he was going to do that. Even Eddie Hearn said he thought that that was the right option because he didn't really think he could go back down to 147 from fighting Triple G at 160. Well, he didn't want to do that. He wanted to prove everybody wrong, and he's done that here. So he moves down, back down to his, you know, his 147 weight, which he really kills himself to get down there. He looks like he's done the weight really well. He was on the weight. Um, he was not too far away from the weight quite a few weeks back, if I'm not mistaken. He looks to be in tremendous shape. I don't know if you've seen a picture of him. He is absolutely ripped. It looks like a mini version of Anthony Joshua. You know, the abs are, are just unreal. And um, so I give him a lot of credit for fighting his mandatory. Errol Spence is obviously known as the future of boxing in the US. He's He's another potential superstar as well. But for me, and we've got to give... Errol Spence a lot of credit for coming over to the UK for one and also he came over you know not with just five days preparation like Javante or six days he came over a couple weeks before the fight so you know we know he's taking this very very seriously and he knows what he's up against here and I think that we're gonna see if he really is the truth we really are it's as simple as that but nah you know, we got to, we got to bear in mind. Kell Brook's brilliant. He really, really is. You know, he's 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 probably the bigger. I'd say the little bit bigger, maybe the little bit stronger of the two. But the puncher is Errol Spence. Errol Spence definitely hits harder than Brook, so there's that to bear in mind. But then again, Brook really took all that Golovkin threw. I know it was still early in the fight when it got called a halt prematurely, but. You know, we didn't get to see him really unload like he can do, Golovkin. But the shots that that Kell Brook got hit with, he took well. And, um, you know, I just think, obviously, this guy won't be able to hit as hard as Golovkin. But I think it's a really, really intriguing fight. It's a brilliant fight. It's 
you know, for me, I think that Kell Brook's going to win as well, Ayers, and I think that I'm going to go with points as well. That we may see a little bit of a robbery or a little bit of a hometown decision. I hope we don't, but the judging hasn't been too great of late in the UK. We all got to admit that. But I think I think Kelbrook's going to win on points. I can't see either man being stopped. But if someone gets stopped, I can. Oh, it's hard. It's really hard. I was going to say I can probably see Errol Spence stopping him, but then again, I can also, for some reason, I can see Kel Brook stopping him. But no, forget all that. I'm going to go with a points win. I had, so I'm going to agree with you there. So we can't be split on this one. I'm going to go with Kel Brook to win on points, but I think it's a brilliant fight, and I, I really, really like Kel Brook. So I really hope he can get the job done. But what? What a fight. I absolutely cannot wait till Saturday night. But that's really it for the preview. And we've done the whole show. We've done the review and we've done the news. We've done the preview and we spoke to Bradley Ski earlier. We're now going to speak to two guys that were fighting on the Copperbox Arena show just last weekend on the undercard of Davis and Walsh. We're going to talk to two prospects, two big names for the future. It's very rare that we speak to more than two guys on this show, to be honest. So this one's a bit of a special one. We're going to give them a little bit of a piece between the two of them. So please welcome. We're going to start with the first one, and then straight after that, we're going to roll in the second one. So firstly, please welcome guest number two. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a man simply known as the Sharpshooter. It's, of course, Mr. Archie Sharp. Archie, welcome to the show. No, thank you for having me. Thank you. It's my pleasure, my friend. So, Archie, just to let the listeners know, you're 8-0 at the moment. You're signed with Frank Warren, obviously. You fought on Saturday on the undercard of Davis versus Walsh. Uh, you took on Tamas Lasker. Tamas had previously fought a few good guys, actually. He'd fought uh, Davis Boschiero, a former European champion and world title challenger. He'd also fought your stablemate, Boy Jones Jr. Now, you dispatched of your opponent quicker than those guys. You took him out in the third round. Now, looking at that, compared to to his other stoppage losses. I had a little look and did a bit of homework on this. Uh, he retired with an injury against Ryan Doyle in the second round last year. But other than that, a legitimate stoppage, you'd have to go back to his fifth ever fight when he was stopped in the third round or quicker. So in terms of legitimately being stopped, it's been that long since anybody's done what you did to him that quickly. So first proper question, Archie, what did you make of the fight? Now, tell the truth, I was, uh, I was actually impressed with my performance. Uh, I've been working on a lot of things lately. As you said, he's... Um, he is a good opponent. He's a winning record. Um, and he, he, he's caught me with a few shots, but I've been working on a, on, on a lot, like I did say. And um, I think that slowing down and not rushing my shots seemed to work and pick my shots nicely because it was a good, it was a good shot that, we, uh, that I finished him off with in the third round. Yeah, it certainly was. And I'm going to throw it in there that he's 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 the current Hungarian lightweight champion. That's uh, He's still the champion. Obviously, his belt wasn't on the line because as far as I know, you ain't got Hungarian in you. But um, I, wrote a, I wrote a couple of notes down during your fight, Archie. Just, I only got a, about two lines written. Obviously, I was ringside for it. And what I wrote is this, word for word. I put... Archie Sharp did a proper job, pure class, and the first time I've seen some real spitefulness from him, finished off with a crushing body shot, the guy got up at about 10, to which the referee was lenient and gave him a chance to continue, but before he could respond to the referee, he automatically took another knee, and he was unable to stand up, pure quality, how's that? <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's perfect, man, I appreciate that. 
<laughs> and I will say, Archie, the guy's friends, and I don't know if you, you probably didn't see this, it was on the blind side of you, but the guy's friends were outside the ring, they were videoing the fight, um, they were waiting for him outside the ring, and when he was coming down the steps, coming out of the ring about two or three minutes later, he was wincing and holding, you know, holding the side of his body where you hit him, so, it, you know, that shot really did some damage, pure brutality. So, uh, brilliant stuff from you there. Um, I also want to let our listeners know, Archie, that you sparred a bunch of good names in your time. You've obviously sparred the likes of Carl Frampton, Martin J. Ward, Mitchell Smith, a couple of the Walsh brothers. Anything, obviously not too revealing, but anything you can tell us about those spars, what you may have learnt from sparring guys like that? Um, To tell you the truth, I learnt a lot um, from sparring them guys. And like I say, uh, Martin J. Ward is who I was sparring um, coming up to this fight. And um, he's a very, very good kid. Uh, very good kid. He's um, got very good amateur background as well. And them spars are helping me know what sort of level I'm at. Because in the amateurs, I was boxing at the top level. I beat Olympians. I, I mean, I was boxing at a very good level. And now I want to do exactly the same in the pros. But to do so, you have to be around the top pros. And them, and them boys that are very good pros are at the top level. Mr. Smith box for titles. The, the Walsh brothers, obviously Martin J. Ward, they've all... They've all been at a very good level, and to um, to be sparring them sort of boys is just really good for me. So it can bring me on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, as we say just there, the Walsh brothers. You you sparred with Liam, right? Before. Um, yeah, and I think it was Ryan as well. I was very young then when I sparred them boys. Very young. I was only I wasn't even professional then. I sparred them. Well, I'm 22 now. I sparred them back when I was about 17 years old. So it was a very long time I sparred them boys. But my my most recent ones are. Um, I sparred Carl Frampton just um, just after I turned pro. Uh, like I say, Martin Ward last last couple of weeks. Mitchell Smith uh, just as I turned pro as well. Yeah. And there's been a lot of other there's a lot of other fighters that I've been sparring with as well. Um, there's another man called Alex. He's um I can't pronounce his second name, but he's he's uh he's over in Mexico a lot in Canada. He's I think I believe he's 18 and 0. Um, Mexican fighter, he's a very good fighter as well. I've been sparring with him leading up to the fight. Um, so yeah, I've been sparring with a lot of good people. Yeah, that's very good, my friend. That really is very good. So as you say, the Liam Walsh spar was quite a few years ago. Obviously, he fought in the well in the biggest fight of his career on Saturday in the main event against Javante Davis. Um, did you did you did you watch that fight? Was you there or did you shoot off after yours? Um, I didn't. I didn't stay around to watch it live. Um, I obviously, went back with friends and family. Um, and obviously all my fans who come along to see that, um, so I went to go and see them after. But I did, I have watched the fight, and I did watch it on telly. What did you um, make of it? That just goes to show how good Javon, it just yeah. goes to show how good Javon Davis really is, because Liam Walsh is a very good fighter. Um, but Javon Davis, I'm not going to lie, before that fight, I was questioning a few things on him. Um, but honestly, after that performance, mate, he, he just goes to show that he is the real deal. He's a good, very good fighter. Yeah, I completely agree. And I know it's very early days, Archie, but have you got your eye on anyone domestically? You know, like, I, I don't know if you saw, we um, put a post out uh, about a week ago. We were kind of putting uh, some fights on Instagram and Twitter, basically saying some fights we'd like to see. And you against uh, Leon Woodstock, I think that's a brilliant fight that could potentially happen in the future. Yeah, look, I tell you the truth, I'm not, I'm not one to be calling people out. Um, no, I have seen Leon... Um, and I do think he's a good fighter. That is something to look at for the future, definitely. Obviously, at the minute, I need to get a title for myself. So the Southern Area title is what I'll be looking at. Obviously, Craig Poxton beat Boy Jones Jr. for that title. Um, but 
I've only I've only been six rounds. Do you know what I mean? I know sparring, I can go loads and loads of rounds. Do you know what I mean? But I just want to get the rounds in first. Once I start getting the rounds in, then I'll I'll take it to. Do you know what I mean? To whoever. There's no one out there and who I'd ever be feared of. Like I said, I box at the top levels as an amateur um, with, with good fighters, and I, I will be doing the same as a professional. But I'm just not going to run before I can walk. I just want to get my rounds in under me. Um, and the Southern Area title obviously will be my first title I'll be going for, and then after that, um, whoever, whoever comes, whoever comes up, really. Very well said. Have you got any idea when that fight could potentially happen? You and Craig, I remember I was I was there the night he uh, he got the stoppage over Boy Jones. Yeah. Um, no, there's, there's, there hasn't been talks of the fight really. Do you know what I mean? But obviously that's just going to be my. If Craig has still got the got the title by the time we box, obviously it will be Craig. But. Um, like I say, I mean, I think my next step will probably be an eight-rounder. I have to speak to MTK, um, and it probably will be an eight-rounder. And then we'll obviously go for a little ten-rounder ten for a southern area or something. But if he's, if whoever's got the southern area at the time, and obviously at the minute, Craig Popson has got that southern area title. So, um, so yeah. Yeah, fair enough. And I want to ask you about um, a fight coming up this weekend, a big fight. You may have a bit of interest in it, just as a fan point of view. Kel Brook against Errol Spence. Have you got any any opinion on that, Arch? I think I think Kel Brook will win the fight. Um, how he'll win, I'm not 100% sure. Could see a late stoppage. Kel Brook's very good fighter. So I believe it's his first fight back uh, since, um, obviously, the Triple G fight. So it'll be interesting as well to see if that had any impact on... Um, if that had any impact on him, because obviously it did. It was a broken eye socket, I believe, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it'd be interesting to see how, see how he does coming back after that. Um, yeah, no, it'd be, it'd be a good fight as well. I think there's a good undercard on there. So that'd be interesting to see, mate. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And finally, Archie, just a couple of things, no questions for you, but I just really wanted to ask you if you've got any any uh, sponsors, any friends, anyone, your trainer, whatever, your your manager, you want to just give a shout out to, I'll let you do that just before we let you go. Yeah, lovely. Thank you very much. Obviously, I'm obviously doing the boxing, but there's a lot of people behind the, behind the scenes who don't get spoken about. I've got... Um, my sponsors, Gary, uh, Duncan and Noel, have been very good to me lately. Helped me with ticket sales. We've been pushing good ticket sale numbers. Um, got Lee Wilkins, Toby Woods, who I've been doing my strength and conditioning with. Um, I've also been doing a lot of mind coaching lately with a, a woman called Linda Keane to strengthen the mind. My trainer is Richie Sawyer. Um, did I mention Lee Wilkins? I did, didn't I? Ball sports. Um, who else we got? we got so my trainer, Richie, uh, Archie Dublin, and obviously the whole of, whole of um, everyone who's been coming up there, the Vineyard Restaurant, they've been helping me out very good lately with my uh, foods. And like I say, everyone everyone who's been coming to watch me and buying tickets, they're all part of the team. Um, without them as well, we'll be getting on these big shows. So yeah, no, just everyone, thanks very much and uh, everyone who's been supporting. Excellent stuff. And finally, Archie, just let let our listeners know your uh, your social media handles so people can keep up with your journey. Yeah, my Twitter is um, at ArchieSharp95. And my Instagram page is Archie underscore Sharp. And then my boxing page is Archie the Sharp Shooter Sharp. Okie dokie. Fantastic. Okay, listen, Archie, it's always great to speak to an exciting prospect like yourself, to be completely honest. I'll be watching you uh, in your next fight, of course. Thanks for your time, and we'll catch up very soon. Take care. God bless. Thanks very much, mate. All the best. Okay, that was Archie Sharp. We did promise two prospects at the end of part two, so without any further ado, please welcome our third and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated super middleweight prospect, Lerone Richards. Lerone, welcome to the show. Uh, hello, mate. How you doing? 
Very good, my friend, yourself? Yeah, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Can't complain. Excellent, my friend, excellent. So, Larung, you fought on the Davis versus Walsh undercard on Saturday, of course, against Anthony Fox. He was a last-minute replacement. Now, Fox came in uh, just a pound under the light heavyweight limit. What did you make of the fight, Larone, and how would you rate your performance out of 10? Um, yeah, he was a last-minute replacement. I had a opponent previously with a winning record, um, but for for some no reason or another, that, um, that didn't come up or didn't come about. So... Um, yeah, it was a last-minute replacement. I had to obviously when I was in the ring, I had to adjust um, to what Anthony Fox brought to the table. At times, he was negative, um, but obviously I had to walk walk him down and um, sort of pop and use my jab and use a lot of feints. But overall, it was a decent. It was a good performance. My coaches were happy about it. I would rate my performance personally um, probably say six out of ten. Um, I could have done a little bit more, but. It's something to work on um, during um, for my next training camp. So I'm um, just looking forward to the next one. When you're boxing, you know, opening up a show and you were like the first guy on, I, I actually caught your fight. I got there uh, pretty much just as it was about to start. So I, I watched the whole thing. But there wasn't many people mm. there at that point. Is it, is it, is, you know, do you lack a bit of motivation when there's not a big crowd there, when there's only a few people? Um. Well, no, no, because... At the end of the day, a ring is a ring and you've got to do a job. And, uh, yeah, it would have been nice if I was put on later on in the or later on in the show so that more people could see me fight. But um, you just got to do... you got to be professional by it and you got to go out there and put on um, a display and, and show everyone what you're all about. Use your skills. So, um, no, it doesn't give me any more, more motivation. Obviously, it would have been nicer for more people to see me, but... You just have to get on with it. Yeah, absolutely. And as we mentioned, your future is at super middleweight. Um, have you had the chance to spar any of the top super middleweights domestically? Uh, well, yeah, I've sparred George Gross before. Uh, I've sparred... Um, no, George Gross is probably the only super middleweight, like world-class super, super middleweight that I've sparred. Obviously, I've sparred Billy Joe Saunders. I sparred Eubanks as well. He's moved up to super middleweight. I've also sparred Tony Benny when he was up at light heavyweight too. So you know, I've been around these um, these world class fighters, and you know, when you're rubbing shoulders with them, all you can do is learn. Yeah, I do want to just ask you. I didn't know that you'd you'd sparred with you know that amount of or that talent pool of guys. Um, what have you learned from those spars? There, obviously, sharing the ring, uh, you know, training and and sparring. As you said, rubbing shoulders with those guys that are really at the peak of the sport. Well, it, with with these guys, you sort of, when you when you spar these world class fighters, you can kind of gauge where you are skill wise, and um, sort of if they're going if they're at a certain position of their career, whether they're a British, European, or world champion, you can sort of see how how far you can go if you work hard. So you know, and then you're watching the way they 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 train, how professional they are, the thing little things, little subtle things that they do during training, and you just pick up on them and and. Um, just rubbing shoulders with them, like I said, all you can do is learn. And when you rub shoulders with the best, then you just can't go. You can't go wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to ask you, Lerone. I know that um, you've probably heard this question quite a few times. You mentioned there, uh, you know, sparring Chris Eubank Jr. in his own gym. Now, as far as I know, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what I know. This is what I heard. I heard that you went into the spa with a slight injury. 
Uh, I think that you said that you was only going to maybe spar for about five or six rounds, and then after doing the 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 amount of rounds which you said initially, um, you got the better of him during that spar, and then once you'd done the rounds, you you know that was the that was the end of that, and he was quite annoyed or frustrated at you for not doing even more rounds because he he felt that he'd you know come out uh, will come out of that spar. You know the, the worser man out of the two. Have, am I yeah. wrong with that, or have, or have I got that right? No, you know you you got that right. Um, I went, I didn't have an injury. Well, I had a little sniggle, but I didn't really have a, a, a big injury. Hence why I spar. Because I wouldn't have gone into the spar with Chris Eubank Jr. with an injury. It would have been it would have been quite silly. Because he's as everyone knows, he's he, he's a world class fighter. And um, but when I went there, I initially was meant to do six rounds anyway, and um done the six rounds, boxed very, very well and had a little niggle in my sort of back, sort of shoulder area. Didn't want to spar anymore. So obviously I'd done my six rounds and I said, look, it's done. That's it. I have a little niggle on my shoulder. And then we had a little altercation where he said I wouldn't make it. And I was still polite about it. I said to him, look, Chris, I'm sure you'll make it and I'm sure I'll make it too. And he was quite arrogant about it. And he said to me, that he's already made it. He's British champion. So I was just like, oh, okay. Um, after that, we had a couple words said after that, and then we just left the gym. So that's what happened um, in regards to the Eubank situation. And is it is it still on a sour note? Have you guys not spoke since then? No, we, we no, we don't speak. We never spoke anyway prior, but um, no, we we don't speak. No. And when it comes to that. Like being sort of sour about it, I'm not. I'm not that sort of person. I'm. I'm just cool and I'm just relaxed. I'm not sour about it, but um, I don't know how he feels about it. But me, I just sort of get on with it, and I took it as a learning experience, and we just move on from there. And um, obviously, we're not too sure where his where his future lays. We're not too sure if he's a middleweight or if he's a super middleweight. He's kind of going between the both. Um, obviously, after that spa, has that given you some confidence that you'd p- perhaps fancy that fight if he were to be at uh, one sixty eight for the foreseeable future? Would you like that fight down the line? Obviously, it's early um, days. Well, you know, that, yeah, that's, you know, that's a good question. Um, is um, would it? Would it be a fight I'd take later on in my career? Absolutely, it would be. I'll take a lot of, like, there'd be a lot, there's a lot of super middleweights out there right now that once I've learnt my craft and once I've had a, a, lot, a bit, little bit of experience over the distances, I would fight. But that's definitely a fight that I'll look at when, in, the, in the future. Um, and did I take confidence from sparring Eubanks? Um, you know what? Because I sparred a lot of world-class fighters before, I already knew that I could handle myself anyway, and being around Billy Joe Saunders because I sparred Billy Joe for the for the world title fight against Andy Lee. So and Billy Joe beat him. So I kind of knew already that I would um I'd be able to hold my own. So um, I didn't really learn anything of such about the level. Me being at that sort of level or or holding myself at that level it was just it was just more going down and experiencing a different style and and seeing what um, Chris Eubank Jr. brought to the table. And I want to move away from the uh, from from the Chris Eubank Jr. situation, but I just want to throw two last questions in there. Um, yeah, just about him, basically. Um, obviously, as you say, you you gave him a lot of trouble in in the sparring session. Um, we've had, you know, I know that the there's a bit of beef, if if you like, between Billy Joe and Chris Eubank Jr. There has been for a long time. Billy Joe's come out and said that you've 
you know, you you proper did a right job on him in sparring. I don't <laughs> know if you want to, uh, you know, confirm nor deny that. But also, would you say that Chris Eubank Jr. struggles with southpaws, seeing as if you did give him all these these troubles in the gym, and also obviously his only loss coming to Billy Joe, who's a slick southpaw as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Um, do you know what? It's um, it's a, you know, it's sort of a hard one, really, because like as everyone, you know, as you say, start styles make fights, and obviously you, well, Billy's the only one that Billy's the only one that beat Eubank. So you know, I'd say yeah, he does. He might struggle with southpaws. Yeah, he might struggle with them, but I think it it's all depends on the boxers. I the southpaws IQ. Like Bill's a very very intelligent fighter, and I'd like to say that I am myself. So. I think anyone with a bit of brains and a bit of know-how around the ring will trouble Chris Eubank Jr. Okay, we'll leave we'll leave that there. Now, um, a fun fight for your division, if the rematch ever does come off, it's, it's really looking like it may do. Uh, George Groves, obviously, he's fighting for a world title this weekend. If he gets through yeah. that, there's a potential all-British clash with him. And, of course, uh, James DeGaulle, the other the other champion at the way. Who do you think would win that one, Laurent, if they were to get it on again? Mm. Do you know what? I'm going to go with... Um, you can always... Like you're only as good as your last fight. That's what they say. And I'm gonna go with um, George Groves on that one. I okay. think George will beat um, James. Um, I know a lot of people might disagree with me, but that's just my opinion. I think that it's not about anything. It's not got anything to do with James or George having James's number or anything like that. Because you know fighters can adjust and people can improve. But I just feel with under Shane McGuigan. Um, George Groves will be able to beat James um, James DeGale Okay, fair enough. It's definitely a you know a fight that we'd all love to see. And the final two questions yeah. now for you, Lerone, before I let you go. Um, do you know when you're next out at all? Um, well, we're looking at the eighth of July, but we're not. I'm not too sure. Um, I know a lot of people want to be on that bill, so if I'm not on it, I'm not going to cry about it. I'll, I know that I'll get on another show anyway. I just. At this moment in time, I just want to stay active. I want to stay busy, and um, and that's that's my main priority right now. But um, I should know within the next couple of weeks what day I'll be out. Yeah, hopefully you do get on that one. Obviously, it's at the same place where you box on the weekend, and it will. Well, it is definitely shaping up to be a good bill, so it will be. It'll be good to see you on that one. And finally, Larone, it's a fight. Obviously, again we. We just mentioned it, the uh, the Groves fight, but the main event's a big one. I'm not sure if you're too interested in the welterweight division. You may be, you may not be. Uh, how do you see the Kelbrook and Errol Spence fight going on? Uh, yeah, you know I love boxing, so obviously I'm always watching it. But yeah, I'd go for Kelbrook. I think Kelbrook will do a job on Errol Spence. I think Errol Spence is a good, good boxer. I think he's a good puncher. He's got a good IQ in the ring, but I just think that Kelbrook's something. I think he's special and. I don't think anyone's seen the best of Kelbrook yet, so it's definitely a fight that I'm looking forward to, but on this one, I'm going to go Kelbrook. Yeah, we certainly, certainly hope so, for sure. That's a real real great fight, and as I say, hopefully Kel does get the job done. And just before I let you go, Lerone, I wanted to really give you an opportunity to thank anybody, to thank any sponsors, anybody in particular. Just take it away. All right. Uh, Well, I'd like to thank um, my... Well, obviously my sponsors, obviously BoxFit, um, PT Maintenance, FCI Currency, Tog, um, Call Royal um, Solutions Limited, 
um, for all their support because they supported me a lot for my last fight. I also want to thank my thank Tesco's as well because they gave me time off um, for me to prepare for my fight. They gave me three weeks off, so it helped me a lot. And to thank my coaches, Al Smith, Eddie Lamb, Mickey Burke, and um, all the or Bradley Skeet and all the other boys down down at Ibox Gym. Absolutely. Okay, listen, Lerone, it's been my pleasure, my friend, having you on this show. Thank you for your time. Keep winning, and we'll catch up again very soon. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Okay, now it's time to conclude episode 84 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I as Sumra has been I as Sumra. It's been a special show. It's been an informative show. And most importantly, it's been an enjoyable show. I hope the listeners agree with me. A big thank you to our three guests on this week's show. The British welterweight champion, Bradley Skeet. And the two undefeated Frank Warren prospects, Lerone Richards and Archie Sharp. As always, the biggest thank you of all goes out to the listeners that tune in every show. Remember, if you get a chance, please leave us a review on iTunes. And do remember that you can follow us and interact with us via social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Box Hard Podcast. Enjoy your weekends, people. And once again, thanks for listening to the Box Hard Podcast.